Welcome to Foothills Youth Podcast, where we help people follow Jesus. I hope these resources are a blessing to you. We are a student ministry based out of Northwest Calgary, and our hope, our desire, is that we see students become resilient disciples in a post-Christian nation. So may this podcast just be a blessing to you in your journey. Long time no see. Sorry, let me just get uh, set up. I brought a lot of stuff up here with me. Um, I'm using slides tonight, which is going to be super fun. Boom. What do you think? Kind of cool, right? So that's just a fancy way of saying that tonight we're talking about dinosaurs and the Bible. And if you're uh, Jillian Ewing, then this is the second time you get this talk because she helps me out in junior high yesterday. Sorry, I'm just ad-libbing while I get all my notes and stuff put together. Some books and my Bible and nice clicker, which I can call you out with a laser pointer, just in case. I won't tell you what the in case is for. All right. So tonight, I want to talk to you guys about the origin of the earth. Um, this is a topic that I am not... Um, uh, expert in. However, it's something that I find great pleasure in uh, researching, in talking about, in debating with people. Um, I don't have a degree in this. I just took classes and read lots of books on my own time. It's surprising when you stop being a student how much you want to actually like start reading again because you're not in school anymore. So since not being in university and like have graduated, I've just like been on a reading bender. Uh, and so one of the books that we're gonna talk about tonight is this book here by Gerald Schroeder. If you're taking notes tonight, write this book down. It's called The Science of God by Gerald Schroeder. Um, it's not like creation science or like made up Christian science, um, unless you believe in that, in which case I'm sorry for making a joke about it. Um, but this is a really, really cool book. We're going to talk about it later, but it's all about uh, Einstein's theory of relativity and time being relative and like cosmic dissonance and all sorts of really fun, interesting stuff. So if that tickles your fancy, I recommend uh, looking at that book. Well, tonight we're going we're gonna to look at three questions. Question number one is going to be, how old is our planet? That's a question a lot of people have. Uh, Christians like to say it's 6,000 years old and anything else is Satan's talk. Um, so we're going to address that. Uh, we're also going to say or ask, are there dinosaurs in the Bible? We're going to look at uh, the book of Job for that. And then lastly, we're going to answer this question. This is a little bit more of a sensitive topic. Is Genesis literal? And what do we mean by literal? So let's start it off with the first question. How old is our planet? How old is our planet? Yes. Since the beginning of time, yes, that's not an age, yes. At least 22 years old, yes, I can confirm it's actually at least 25 years old. Um, anybody else? Yeah. 4.5 billion, good answer. Anybody else with another good answer? Yeah. 35,000, okay, good answer. Any others? You don't, <laughs> you don't want to take the risk? You can also say, yeah, 2020. You know, I might push back a little bit on that one. 6,000? Kate, another good answer. Uh, well, in the wise, word of wise words of Dwight Schrute, there's basically two schools of thought. There's 
<laughs> oh, I know. I even added that meme later in the slides. Just you wait. I promise we'll get there too. Uh, so there's two schools of thought. There's young earth and there's old earth. Now, what I want to clarify is that both of these categories, both young earth and old earth, are Christian standpoints. These are not uh, one being a Christian belief and the other being a, a not Christian belief. These are both people that believe God created the world and that God created humans. Neither of these two schools of thought are theistic evolution, which we'll touch on in a minute. Uh, theistic evolution meaning God used the process of evolution to make us as we are today. So, to clarify, let's go over what they actually believe. Young Earth creationists, they believe that God created the world 6,000 years ago, approximately. That's what that squiggly line means. I know you guys use it in your text sometimes to mean something else, but it means approximately. So it's approximately 6,000 years old. It was created in six literal 24-hour days. Dinosaurs and humans lived together. That's another belief of young Earth. So Adam would have named the dinosaurs. And usually what they, what they defend is that it wasn't like all dinosaurs. It was like the types of animals. So it wasn't like Adam was sitting there like, okay, pug, golden retriever, Labrador, Newfoundland water dog. I don't know. We'll <laughs> I'm sure they'll find a place called Newfoundland one day. It was like dog, cat, bigger cat, house cat. Like... It was, it was more the animal type, so it wasn't even that specific. Uh, so he would have seen dinosaur, but probably didn't call it dinosaur. Uh, and then they believe that Genesis is 100% literal. So when we say Genesis, we're mostly talking about for, for both old earth and uh, young earth creationists, uh, we're talking about kind of the, the first chapter that really deals with the actual creation of the world and then a little bit into the story of Noah as well. So that's a basic outline of what young earths believe. They believe the world is 6,000 years old, created in six literal 24-hour days. Humans and dinosaurs live together on Earth, and all of Genesis is historical. Next, we have old Earth. Megan answered pretty well. You got it pretty close, too. Uh, 4.5 billion years old is their belief. That's how old the Earth is. They get that through different forms of radiometric dating, one of which we know and we'll talk about later, carbon dating. Uh, they believe in a six-yom creation. Who here reads Hebrew? Uh, I didn't think many. That's okay. I don't either. Uh, but the word yom, I've done a little bit of research into this word. The word yom is used as day in the scriptures. Many times, yom is used and translated as a 24-hour day. However, even in parts of Genesis, even in the first few chapters of Genesis, Yom is used to mean a period of time or multiple days. Uh, there are different Jewish historical texts or, or Hebrew texts back in the day that use the word yom to mean more than just a 24-hour day. So they believe in a six yom creation, in other words, a six time period creation, not necessarily literal 24-hour days. We'll talk about the legitimacy of all of these claims later as well. Uh, and they believe dinosaurs lived before man because they believe in 4.5 billion years old. I'm also going to try not to tell you where I fall, by the way. That's why I keep saying they for both of them. 
And finally, they believe that parts of Genesis are, are poetic and not historical. So they would say that the first chapter of Genesis is definitely poetic, kind of up until the end of the uh, story of Noah. So let's talk about kind of the, the proofs, and I still don't have a good word for this, but like the not proofs, the things that like would unprove the idea, like not myth, but like contradiction. Yeah, contradiction. That's the right word. Refutes. Yes, or what's the, there's, uh, yeah, no, I'm thinking, rebuttals. That's, that's a way better word. It makes me sound super smarter than I am. Okay, <laughs> we're going to jump into proof number one, that the world is only 6,000 years old. Number one, we have found dinosaur tissue. This is actually super cool. I love dinosaurs. I think they are the bomb. Uh, we have found dinosaur tissue now not just tissue but we've actually found soft tissue of dinosaurs which is incredible um they believe that uh, or scientists have have claimed that the longest possible amount of time soft tissue can last after death is like a million years and that's that is the maximum they say usually all soft tissue is gone within weeks like within a year you're a skeleton when you die. I'm sorry, I know that's gross, but all soft tissue will be gone. Um, and yet, we found soft tissue on dinosaur fossils, and not just like one, but like 50% of our sample size, we have found soft tissue on dinosaur fossils. That's incredible. Anyway, moving on. Next, we have ocean life fossils on the very tippy tops of mountains. So if you were to go to Banff, and you were to climb up a mountain and you started looking for fossils, you could find ocean life up there. I know, right? Chris snorted. I, I also snorted in excitement. <coughs> like, that's so cool. We're going we're gonna to talk about that as well later. Uh, nextly, carbon dating kind of favors young Earth because carbon dating is like, have you guys ever heard from like either parents or like, some like super old conservative boomers and they're like carbon dating's not very accurate <laughs> right <laughs> i mean and and granted it's not uh we'll talk about that later uh and lastly usually they have the bible on their side because they can count the years that are in the bible and they're like well obviously according to the first chapter of matthew that everybody doesn't read and just says they does <laughs> count this person's the father of this person's the father of this person Obviously, the world is 6,000 years old. Sure. Moving on. Okay. So, here's one of the rebuttals to young Earth. How can the world have been created in six literal 24-hour days when there wasn't a sun till day four? I don't know. We had light created on day one, but we didn't have a sun to rotate around, so how can you measure 24 hours if you're not rotating around a sun? Good question. I don't know. Thanks for asking. Some of you may ask, but Nick, what about tectonic plates? <laughs> Wonderful question. Let me answer that for you. Do you guys know what tectonic plates are? Okay, never mind. Um, so tectonic plates, we used to have a theory called continental drift, right? That's where we thought the continents were like shifting, which they are, but they're not shifting by themselves. They're actually on top of continental plates that make up the entirety of the crust. It's kind of like, imagine a soccer ball for a minute. You know how like it's stitched together? I guess you can imagine a 
uh, basketball too, but imagine a, a soccer ball and where it's stitched, all those little hexagons are like continental plates or they're like tectonic plates. So at one end of a tectonic plate, there's usually volcanoes. This is Hawaii. And when a volcano explodes in Hawaii in a massive, massive way, that's because rock has melted on the other side of the tectonic plate enough that it has circled underneath the crust the pressure has built and boom goes the dynamite. That was from a old uh, sportscaster fail video from like my time. Um, anyway, he was, he was horrible. He was like the worst sportscaster and uh, his signature line was, and boom goes the dynamite. Anyway, so if you guys see Hawaii, you guys know how Hawaii is like a line of islands? Yes. Okay, Google it if you don't know that. Um, but this can be confirmed by more sources than just me. Uh, Hawaii is literally a set of islands, each of those created by another volcanic explosion. And what happens is when this volcano erupts, all of this rock comes down, it melts, eventually plant life starts growing on it uh, when it either migrates by air or water through like birds, boats, fish. Um, and then the tectonic plates are moving, so that island where it exploded by the volcano, the tectonic plate shifts and eventually it gets far enough away and another volcano erupts and another island is created. That's why the oldest island in Hawaii is actually this far underwater because it's been around for so long, it's moved so far away because the plate keeps shifting and it gets eroded by water and air and weather. So that's one side of the tectonic plate. On the other side, I said ocean fossils on mountaintops. That's because when two tectonic plates go like this and they crash into each other, one goes down, melts, becomes the rock that goes over to Hawaii and explodes. The other end goes up. And when it goes up, it comes out of the water and becomes a mountain. So that's why you can go to Banff, you can walk around Banff, and if you look at the mountains, you can see the fault lines that, that run like this way up the mountain. That's why you can literally look at a mountain and some of them you just kind of want to go and push them back into the ground because they look perfectly like they just went and you can just go and push them back in. So we know that tectonic plates, and, and like this is observable every year, like every year tectonic plates are moving multiple inches, which is like actually very significant. Uh, so we can measure this like to this day. Where'd I put my clicker? Next one. Okay, half-life of carbon. This is really exciting, right? The half-life of the element carbon-14 is only 5,400 years, approximately. That is less than 6,000 years old. However, carbon dating, as inaccurate as it is, is accurate up to 10 half-lives. So 10 times 5,400 is 54,000. Good math, everybody. We're awake. It's okay. 54,000 is not 4.5 billion. It's not even close to 4.5 billion. But it is <laughs> way past 6,000. Uh, so carbon dating, correct. Very inaccurate. The later it goes, the, the skew does not increase significantly, but it does become much less accurate the further on you go in history but carbon dating is accurate up to 10 half-lifes, like exactly precisely, uh, which would make 54,000 years. And the last one, the Bible doesn't say so. The Bible doesn't say how old the earth is. Let me read to you a couple points here. Um, now, 
Who's ever skipped over Matthew chapter 1? I have. You're all lying. I know it. There have been times where you're like, I'm going to go back and read the Gospels. And you get to Matthew chapter 1 and you're like, not happening. I will start at Matthew chapter 2 or halfway through Matthew chapter 1. This genealogy is boring. Right? Okay. Fair enough. You're all better Christians than me. The genealogy in Matthew was not a genealogy the way we would use genealogies today. This has been proven through uh, Jewish law, through Jewish history books that are not in any way about the Bible. Uh, They're just other forms of Jewish literature. And we found that the genealogies that we have in the Bible use a technique called telescoping, where they actually remove generations because why would you include a generation about somebody that was so insignificant? So they actually remove insignificant generations or um, generations for various different reasons. And this was not illegal. This was not to trick anybody. This was the practice. This is just how it was. Like, for example, in Matthew chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles, you can flip open to Matthew chapter 1, verse 8. There's an old dead guy by the name of Jehoram. Sorry. That was cool. Um, You might have to mute my computer because I I think I have a bunch of my buddies texting me. Um, Matthew chapter 1 names an old dead guy named Jehoram. He is listed as the father of another old dead guy named Uzziah. I said those very confidently, so you thought I knew how to pronounce them. Uh, Jehoram is not the father of Uzziah, however, because we can read in 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verses 11 and 27, Uh, that there are actually four generations between Jehoram and Uzziah. So Jehoram is not Uzziah's father. He's his father's 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 father. Are you tracking with me? (laughs) That was a very confident nope. Uh, What I'm saying very, very clearly is that the genealogies that we find in the book of Matthew, the book of Luke, and certain parts of the Old Testament are not necessarily historically accurate in the way that we would use a genealogy today. They were legal documents that were used for a specific purpose, and that specific purpose was to track, in Matthew, the Jewishness of a person. That's why it's listed back to uh, Solomon rather than, um, what's his face? the other son of David, in which Luke tracks it back to. So they follow, pardon? Nathan, thank you. Uh, So both genealogies actually track back to a different person, and that's because they were used for different things. They were not used to be literal and historical. Moving on. Old Earth, proofs and rebuttals. We're going to go a little bit quicker. Proof for Old Earth. We have never found dinosaurs and human fossils in the same rock layer ever in all of history forever. Uh, This means that they never died together. It doesn't mean they never lived together, but we can probably assume that if the humans lived with the dinosaurs, they also probably would have died with the dinosaurs as well, especially if like it was a meteor or a flood or anything like that. Uh, So actually the difference in the rock layers, we find approximately um, 50 to 75 million years of difference in the rock layers. So moving on, cosmic time. This is that thing I was telling you about from my book over here. Not my book. I'm not that smart. But Gerald Schroeder, Gerald L. Schroeder, he writes an idea 
uh, about cosmic time. Now, I need you guys to put your thinking caps on. This is going to be the last, like, really big idea that I need you to think about. And then we're going to go and uh, discuss, okay? So if we take the idea that we could not measure 24-hour days because the sun wasn't created till the fourth day, Gerald Schroeder tries to um, argue, or he does argue, that God was speaking from a, or Genesis is speaking from a cosmic time perspective, a time that is uh, rooted not on Earth within Earth's gravity, but cosmically outside of Earth. Uh, what he says is that using Einstein's theory of relativity, which is E equals MC squared, what does the E stand for? Energy, what does the M stand for? What does the C stand for? Speed of light, what does the little two above that stand for? And what does the equal sign stand for? I was hoping to get you on that one, that's fine. So what he says is that if you take that, because time is relative, proven by Einstein, you can take uh, the, the equation E equals MC squared, you look at how God would have created the world, and his defense, and, and the math in the book does work out. Um, I'm not smart enough to know if he has a flaw in his math. Uh, but what it works out is that the gravity would have been so high at the moment that all of that energy was converted into matter when God created the world that cosmically you would have perceived six literal days, whereas on Earth, in the exact same time as those six days cosmically are happening, 15 billion years would have passed. And mathematically it does work. Again, I'm not smart enough to figure out if there's a flaw in his math. Uh, but that would be, I'd say, one proof in favor of old earth. Nextly, yams, we talked about that really quick. It is used throughout the Bible and throughout Jewish texts to mean more than just a 24-hour day. Sometimes it means months, weeks, years, and just generally periods of time. Next, I think science is a gift. I don't think that God would have given us this earth and the brains to comprehend things if he didn't want us to try. I think science is a way that we can grow closer to God, whether or not you fall into old earth or young earth, you can love science and you can explore God that way. Uh, and lastly, we've got light years. Who's ever heard of Orion's belt? It is 33.7 million light years away, which means if you can see the light from Orion's belt, that light has traveled for 33.7 million years. A light year is the distance that light can travel in a year. So if you are seeing light from a star, you are seeing it from however long ago that is light years away. Does that make sense? So what I want to say, because I don't actually have a rebuttal listed for this one, a rebuttal for light years is that we believe God is so incredibly powerful that he could have, if the world is quite young, made those significantly farther away and just created the light beams already hitting Earth. So he could have like created light in that uh, expanse of space. Okay. Rebuttal for old earth. Moon dust. Have you guys ever had a parent say, or I did at least, or an old boomer, like we said earlier, go, oh, you know, the world can't be that old because when they went to the moon, they were going to land in like 20 feet of dust, but there was only an inch. So the world's super young. Well, it's, it's true. They, they were expecting to land in like 20 feet of dust. Maybe you've never heard somebody say that, but yeah, they were expecting like 20 feet of dust because if the moon had been around for billions of years and just being like pummeled by rocks constantly, 
they were expecting mass amounts of dust on the moon. Um, there was only an inch, though. Uh, next, poetic and, uh, and literal. So it's hard for us to, to take the Bible and be able to say what is poetic and what is literal. We have different ways of figuring it out. Um, for example, the verbiage used in the Hebrew for the first few chapters of Genesis uh, it's still fairly historical verbiage used. It's not quite as historical as the rest of the book. Um, however, it was written to a context where a lot of people that read it very well could have interpreted it as historical. Uh, next, another use of Yom, Yom Kippur. It means day. Like most of the time that the word Yom is used means a literal 24-hour day. So although Yom can mean more than a 24-hour day, the majority of its use means day, just a single day. Uh, next, it's hard for us to reconcile um, this because some people see this view as putting science over the Bible, uh, whereas uh, people from this perspective would look at young earth and say, well, now you're putting Bible over science. You're saying that Bible is scientifically accurate um, and historically accurate. So this, this is kind of a give and take for both sides. Uh, and finally, this is kind of a really big one. Old Earth believes in death before the fall of man when death entered the world. Uh, because if man wasn't created for many billions of years and dinosaurs lived and died, uh, then they believe in death before the fall. Now, we believe that hell is not just bodily death, it's spiritual death. So Old Earth people would say, well, actually, death before the fall just means, or death entering the earth was spiritual death. It was that spiritual separation for eternity from God. Uh, whereas other people take it very literally where it's like, no, 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 like death was one and the same, like body and spirit. Um, and so there can't be death before the fall. Therefore, the world can't be old because things couldn't have died. Are you guys tracking? Okay, excellent. Okay, I want you guys to sit into some groups, whatever your life groups are, stay up here. Um, if you want to use the couches, that's fine. You'll be able to hear me from back there, um, but ideally up here somewhere. And I want you guys to discuss these ideas for like four and a half minutes. Go. All righty. Come on back. You guys can actually stay in your groups if you want to. You don't have to move. But when I say come on back, I just kind of mean your attention. All right, all right, all right. You guys are all comfy. I'm going to sit and get comfy, too, because we're going to keep her going here. All right. So I've heard some good conversations happening so far. Um, that's sweet. Uh, I will tell you probably where I stand on this at the end. Um, and then if you have any questions, hold on to them. I'm just going to open the floor, and you guys can ask whatever questions you want to ask, okay? Uh, but we're going to move on to the next question, which is, are dinos in the Bible? Uh, well, I promised a meme. Here's the meme. Uh, there's basically two schools of thought. Do you guys remember this episode, by the way? This is when Jim dressed up as White, uh, as Dwight, and Dwight was like, identity theft is not a joke, Jim. Millions of peop people suffer every year. And he's like, Michael! Michael! Anyway, moving on. Uh, so here are the two schools of thought. There's uh, New Earth or Young Earth, and there's Old Earth. Uh, young Earth would say, yes, kind of. 
And Old Earth would say, yes. Or, I mean, no. <laughs> kinda. That was clever. Okay, anyway. Uh, I thought the kindas were funny. I thought that was going to get a bigger laugh. That's okay. Whatever. I'll move on. Uh, thank you. Thank you, everybody. I hope the microphone picks that up in the recording. Note to all listening to the podcast, they laughed, cheered, stood up, and praised me. Thank you. Um, great. Somebody's crying. They're so pleased with the joke. So Young Earth would say, yeah, there probably are dinosaurs in the Bible. They would actually direct you to the book of Job. If you've ever read the book of Job uh, and you've heard about the behemoth and the Leviathan, which I think I actually have slides about that. Here we go. New Earth, the behemoth and the Leviathan. Uh, they would say, yeah, those are dinosaurs. And to be completely fair, if you read the descriptions of those in Job chapter 41, it sounds a whole lot like a dinosaur. Like, it doesn't sound like any animal I've ever heard of living on Earth now. It talks about, like, a tail like a cedar, like a tree. Like, I don't, I can't think of an animal that sounds like that. Uh, nextly, they would say, of course they have to be in the Bible because Adam named the animals, so obviously he would have had to name this one, too. And lastly, they would say, and yeah, most of them died in a global flood. That's why we don't have them anymore. That's their defense for it. Um, Old Earth people, they would say, uh, well, no, they existed in the Meso oh, Mesozoic era. Sorry, I always mix up that one and the Cenozoic era. But uh, they would say, no, they existed in the Mesozoic era, and so they would have died about 50 million years ago. Here's a fun fact. Old Earth people also, if you were to follow the, the science and the geology, um, so the years of the rock layer, it's very likely that a stegosaurus has never in its entire life ever met a Tyrannosaurus rex because there's like 100 million years between them. Yeah, and it's like, well, yeah, of course they didn't meet each other. No stegosaurus is going to be like, I'll just wait around for something cool to happen. And then like Tyrannosaurus rex just happens. Um, likewise with pterodactyls. Pterodactyls were, uh, were earlier dinosaurs, I believe, as well. Um, that happened at the beginning of the Mesozoic era, which followed a mass extinction coming out of the Paleo, Paleozoic era, which is not the same as a Paleo diet. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to make more jokes about Paleo diets, but I didn't want to offend anybody else. So we're going to move on. Job references, they would say, uh, no, excuse me, the Leviathan and the Behemoth, those are just really good roller coasters at Wonderland. What they're actually referring to, which can I just say they are? I've, I've been on the Leviathan, which is taller than the Behemoth, and oh snap, that was awesome. I wanted to ride it so many times, but my wife, didn't. she passed out, um, so she couldn't anymore. Yeah, she was the hot one with the red hair in that video we watched earlier. Anyway, uh, they would say the Job references, no, no, no. Those are not dinosaurs. That's obviously a hippo and a crocodile. And, well, see, we laugh at that thinking like, please, a hippo and a crocodile, tail like a cedar? Come on now. Well, the reason that they say it's a hippo and a crocodile is because they actually had um, the, the reputation. They were some of the most feared animals because they had the reputation to tip boats and kill anybody in them. Um, and the, reason, the way they would do this is a hippo would go out, and obviously, like, hippos can get low, so do crocodiles, so it's kind of hard to see them from a distance. And the hippos would actually start bouncing their big booties, 
and they would just like twerk in the water until the I'm serious. Um until the waves were so big um that they would like knock these fairly primitive boats over and then the alligators would just like have a field day and like come up and um, I'll take that and like that was your head. Um so that's why they were so feared and so people talk about the Leviathan and the Behemoth and and they believe that these were actually like these horrid feared creatures the hippo and the alligator or crocodile. I can't remember which one was over in that side of the world. One of them. One of them bites down, one bites up. I can't remember which one this was. Yes. Mhm. Right. I mean hippos are fairly gentle as long as they're not angry but sometimes they get angry and then they are the most feared like even even zoologists nowadays are like hippos are actually quite docile they're quite friendly animals but if they get angry they can literally like break a face in their mouth and jaw yeah so yeah i mean this is it it's this is why it's such a debate um it's not it's not a for sure that uh, that old earths are correct on that. It's not even for sure that it was a hippo or an alligator. It could have absolutely been something else. Um, it could have absolutely been dinosaurs as well if we take a new earth perspective. So these are just more the defenses of what each of them would say uh, for dinosaurs in the Bible. Um, lastly, they would also say that dinosaurs changed. They kind of low-key evolved. Um, so they would say that like a raptor, which has the same hip bone that we can visually observe as an ostrich and other birds um, would have become ostriches and birds um, and they're just like very very late ancestors um, they do have the same hip bones it's up for debate um, but it's it's a super cool theory that that raptors and anything like that t-rex and stuff like that um, that would be like one type of dinosaur uh, would have later become uh, birds and that's their defense for why we don't have dinosaurs anymore. Uh, so again, we're left with there's the new earth, there's the old earth. Uh, both perspectives have have some very interesting thoughts about them. I'm going to throw one more in there, and it's the one I mentioned earlier, theistic evolution. Neither of these two uh, beliefs believe in macroevolution. Macroevolution is when one animal type becomes an animal type. Uh, we don't actually have fossil records to prove that an animal type can turn into another animal type. We can prove macro or we can prove microevolution. Sure, um, scientists would say that a dinosaur devolving into a bird is actually just microevolution. They're still the same type of animal, but we cannot prove a a uh, worm becoming a snake or um, monkey into human. We have very very um, extensive fossil records that can show different um, different stages of how things lived and died, but we don't actually have solid proof that one animal type has ever been able to evolve into another animal type. Um, however, it's very easy to say, sure, the fossil records are quite clear that you know that evolution could actually possibly be a thing. Um, and just because you believe in that, 
doesn't make you not a Christian. There are Christians, we call them theistic evolutionists, and they believe that God used that process to create us the way we are today, um, that it was a God-ordained process. So all of these are very possible. I want to talk about the spiritual aspect of this. Um, if you were to take a young earth approach to this, you're likely not going to face very much criticism in the church. You're going to face more criticism out in society. Um, whereas if you take an old earth perspective um, versus a theistic evolutionist uh, perspective, you will get more criticism within the church than you will outside of the church. So ultimately, we have to ask the question. This is my last slide. Why should you care? Why should you care how old the earth is? Why should you care if we evolved from monkeys or if God created us uh, magnificently on the, on the sixth day or billions of years after the world was created? Uh, why should you care? And, and I, I think that the answer is well you shouldn't really. Um, you shouldn't really care. You can absolutely have your belief, and you can believe what you want. You can believe that the Earth is 6,000 years old. You can believe that the Earth is 4.5 billion years old. Uh, you, can believe you can't believe that the world is 4.5 thousand years old. I'm sorry about that one. That one you can prove, but um, that was a joke. Sorry. Uh, and you can, you can believe that God ordained evolution, and you can be a God-fearing, stand-up Christian, and it does not affect your salvation, and it does not affect the Bible in any way. Um, the creation story has huge parts of it that are very uh, literal, historical. It's got huge parts of it that are very poetic. Um, the first three days of the creation story, they mirror the last three days of the creation story. That is a very poetic narrative, um, which could be how God did it, because God is wonderful, beautiful, and and he's, he's done incredible things that we would only expect our art, and they're just, he just made them for us. Um, so what I want to say is it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter what you, what you believe on this topic. Um, the Bible, just because parts of it are poetic, that doesn't mean that we're arguing real or fake. Um, Jesus taught in stories. Um, there are young earth people that believe the entire book of Job could potentially be a, a more poetic version of a conversation that happened and not a literal recount of a conversation that happened. Uh, there, are, there are tons of parts of the Bible um, that are, are very poetic, and that doesn't mean that they are any less uh, real or any less legitimate. Um, so because there's so much information about this, because we finished earlier than I did last night, um, I'm going to open it up to you guys. I'm also going to share with you guys uh, where I stand on this issue. I didn't do that with the junior highs. I wanted to give them a week to process the information and then come back because I didn't want to influence where they stood. Um, I believe you guys are, you have a, an ability to um, take what I say with a grain of salt and, and you can make your own uh, inferences on, on all of this information. So me personally, um, I'm not all the way theistic evolutionist. Um, but I definitely lean towards the old earth perspective. Um, I find science to be um, a wonderful tool for me to connect with God. The further I lean into science, um, specifically geology, um, the further I lean into geology and I see the world creating itself still and how the world is reshaping itself, 
I, I'm only more and more amazed by God. I'm only more and more drawn in to his overwhelming power that that God is his nature is a creator. And he created things that continue to create. I think that's a beautiful image. I, I, I just get absolutely blown away by that. So that's where I stand. Now, what I want to do is I want to say, if you agree or if you disagree, specifically if you disagree or if you have burning questions, you can now ask them here. And you can just challenge me or you can ask clarifying questions for the next 10 minutes. So if you have a question, raise your hand. Or if none of you have a question, you can just sit there. Dallas at the back. Okie dokie. That is a very good question. Uh, so, so that the microphone can hear it, if you're listening on the on the podcast, um, Dallas asked, "Is the story of Noah a poetic piece, a, a narrative piece, or a historical piece?" Correct. Narrative or poetic? I see. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Historical, poetic. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I just wanted to clarify that I got the words right. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, what I would say to that is I personally think that the story of Noah could have actually happened. However, I don't, I don't know if I believe in a global flood or in a local flood. And the reason I say that is because contextually, even if all of Mesopotamia, where that story would have been written, flooded, there their idea of what the world was at that point ended at the mountains. They, like, they didn't believe that going past the mountains outside of Mesopotamia, that there was world. They thought that it just ended. So if all of Mesopotamia flooded, it would have been perceived by every single person in that area that would have heard any story about it, that that was a global flood, that the entire earth flooded. Um, so I think that both perspectives are absolutely possible. Um, I tend to lean towards likely there was a massive, massive flood uh, in Mesopotamia that wiped out so many things. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think that's, that's a, it's a provable um, perspective uh, scientifically, which is usually how I lean. So with the rock layers, we can actually prove that there's this huge amount of sediment that settled all at the same time, so there's not these fault lines in it. Um, if you were to take rock out of um, a, a, a riverbed or something like that, you would see these lines of thin bits of sediment uh, just constantly settling on it as, as the water flows and as the rock was um, kind of like buried and, and fossilized and whatnot. Um, whereas in Mesopotamia, we can find large sections where there was this huge amount of rock that was completely unsettled or that that was uh, didn't have these lines in it, uh, so we know that it all settled at the same time. So, geology would prove that the worldview of a Mesopotamian that the entire world flooded. So, that's an answer and a non-answer at the same time. Is that sufficient? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
yeah, that's a that's a fair perspective. I wanted to have this talk with you guys because uh, when I was your age, I, I grew up in Ontario where it's very uh, liberal, and I grew up in a very conservative home where I grew up as a young earth creationist, nothing could shake me, and then all of a sudden I went to school and I didn't know what to do when I was challenged on this. So uh, both perspectives, I think, can you can be a strong Christian, a God-fearing Christian in either perspective. It doesn't matter if you think that the world is young or the world is old. Um, an old earth creationist would say that, yeah, most of Genesis is historically literal, um, kind of after the flood uh, narrative, um, that it becomes completely literal. And that's, if you if you are to, if you want to go do your own research on it, I would recommend doing that um, because you can see in the Hebrew that the verbiage changes after the story of Noah, uh, where the verbiage goes from, slightly more poetic to not at all poetic and almost entirely historical. Um, so the style of writing changed. Uh, and that's where a lot of these questions came from. They go, well, why did, why did it go from mostly historical to completely historical? Why, why was there a shift there? Um, the, other, the other thing that kind of draws a few questions is uh, historically, exegetically, um, it's commonly believed that Moses wrote most of the Pentateuch. Um, however, the Pentateuch writes about Moses' death. Uh, so Moses dies in the Pentateuch, even though we, see we think of him as the author. Uh, so the writing style back then, like somebody didn't pick up the pen and go, hi, by the way, my name's Bill. I'm going to be writing from here on out because Moses is dead. Um, and then just write the way they want to write. They're going to see, okay, Moses has written like a pretty big book here. Um, I'm going to probably keep writing it the same way. Uh, for, for a visual, this is how I explained it to the junior highs last night. Imagine Leonardo da Vinci, not DiCaprio, is painting the Mona Lisa. And he painted it, right? No? Somebody else did. Oh, he did? Okay. Whoever did, he's painting, th they're painting the Mona Lisa. They get everything done except the eyes and then they die and someone's like this is the most beautiful piece of art ever i'm gonna finish it for them maybe it was like their intern um except their intern specializes in like manga anime and is like but i'm gonna do it my way and now you've got mona lisa sitting there like but these massive japanese eyes and they're like <laughs> that wouldn't fit at all uh, that would look dumb uh or cool, I don't know, I actually haven't seen that. Somebody edit that photo, and can you DM it to our Instagram? I want to see that now. Um, likewise, when Moses kicked the bucket, um, somebody was like, I'm going to keep writing in his style. So the style of writing was very important back in the day. Um, it's still rather important now, but the style changed so significantly um, after those first few chapters that uh, we had to ask questions, well, why did that happen? Um, and we've gotten to a place where we can interpret those first few chapters in two different ways, and it doesn't actually affect our salvation in any way. Um, to interpret those first few chapters poetically does not mean that you interpret the entire Bible poetically, and it doesn't mean that you even interpret the rest of the Pentateuch uh, poetically. It means that you interpret those first few chapters poetically, and then the style of writing changes uh, to be something that really we don't interpret poetically at all. So I hope that gives a bit of clarity or direction to your thinking. Uh, yeah, at the back. What?
did the Bible predict or tease the creation of dinosaurs? Tease, like, give you a little sneak peek and then be like, wait till later. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think they were just created. Um, like when God said, uh, when, the, when the Bible says that God created the animals in the water and the animals on the land, um, that is, contu- or what is the word? In anyway, it fits with science where uh, we had the Paleozoic era, I believe that's the, the name, where all of these water animals were created first, and then over the course of a lot of time, uh, eventually land animals were created. Like, let me tell you why, why I, I find God in, in this, because you look at something like the Precambrian explosion, where the Earth, if you follow solar, neb- solar nebula theory, where God would have, well, science wouldn't say God, but I say where God would have taken, like, um, he would have, like, made the elements of the Earth, and then as they kind of formed together, they became really hot, which is um, now the leading theory over the Big Bang Theory. Um, just so you guys are aware, um, scientifically, uh, then the world would have been like super hot magma, um, like from those rap videos, super hot fire. Um, but it was like super hot lava and the whole world would have been, and scientists are like, yeah, and it would have been lava for millions and millions and billions of years. And then all of a sudden after a billion years, we have water and life. And I'm like, okay, where'd it come from? They're like, we don't know. It just happened. I was like, so there's this God guy that I know. And like, in my mind, that like speaks to a God who was just like, all right, well, it's now this day, um, whatever day that was. He's like, it's time to create the animals of the water, uh, which I think was day five. So he just did that. Um, in my mind, each of these kind of like explosions of life, which sci- like historically there are countless numbers of massive explosions of life that scientists have have no idea about how they happened. Um, So I don't know if God teased dinosaurs, but like he said, he created the animals of the water and the land, and they were in the water and the land. So yes and no, I think are the answers you're looking for. Okay. Yes. Can you be friends with somebody that disagrees with you? Absolutely not. No, you must lock yourself away around only people that agree with you 100% of the time, and that'll be healthy. Um, Make sure you don't go on the internet, and if you ever see somebody on your Facebook page post anything against what you believe, tear them a new one. Yeah, you can be friends with people you don't agree with. Sorry, do I, I don't know if I need to expand on that anymore. Is that a good enough answer? Okay. D- uh, did I see a hand over here? Oh, okay. Never mind. Uh, I've got time for two more. If you Yes. Where do I stand on death before the fall? That's a really good question. Um, I stand on spiritual death after the fall. And bodily death is just our body. Um, I, I, I kind of feel this way about it whether like we were created on the sixth day and God literally created the world for us as a gift. So in my mind, whether the world was ready after five literal 24 hour days or the world was ready after billions of years, it doesn't matter because we weren't here yet. So one way or another, the world wasn't 
ready for us. God wasn't ready with this gift yet. He was still making it. Um, whether he needed five days or whether he wanted to take that long, it really doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, I believe that when sin entered the world, that um, spiritual death occurred. Because I don't think that animals, when they die, necessarily go heaven, hell. Because um, humans are different because we actually have like souls. Um, so if we had bodily died, our, our soul would have gone to heaven, but sin entered. And so um, there was also spiritual death. That was a really good question, though. I appreciate that one, Caden. Um, one more question. I've got time for one more. Because I want to. Yeah, Jackson. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of going off of Caden's question. So uh, just so everybody can hear that. The question was, uh, with spiritual death, do you die spiritually and then your spirit goes to either heaven or hell? Um, in the Christian faith, we believe that uh, eternal life is life with God. It's in heaven and eternal death is hell. Um, I know that's kind of a hard concept where um, like a place is also the status. Uh, but when you bodily die, your spirit then goes to heaven or hell. Um, and so if like hell is spiritual death and heaven is spiritual life, you don't go through like this spiritual shot in the head moment. And then your spirit has a spirit that is like, I'm the mega ghost. And now we were just a normal one before, but now you're, you're ultra dead. And now we can actually, it's just dead. And I'm dead and not. Does that make sense? Um, so yeah, thanks for listening to me. Um, I'd love for you guys to come and ask me any questions that maybe you didn't feel comfortable about asking um, in front of everybody. If you want a really good book to read, The Science of God, great book. Um, check out the Be Ready conference this year as well. It's going to be hosted at First Alliance Church. If you're interested at all in this, which is kind of like apologetics, um, which is like sort of arguing the faith, but not necessarily arguing, um, then check out the Be Ready conference in March. Uh, if you want to take time in your small groups to debrief about this, you're welcome to do that as well. Um, I don't have set questions because I want you guys to actually kind of ask the questions. Leaders, if you get any really good questions, um, send them to me. You can either DM the Instagram or just come get my phone number and some of you already have it. Um, yeah, you guys are free to go.